Coming up on today's show, NIL is getting huge, but how big can the Big Ten get and can it keep up with all the other schools in the country that are already shelling out big money? We've got John Garcia Jr. to find out today on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. Alongside John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting over at SI, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to talk to John today about NIL. It's, of course, still very, very new, but it's all happening very, very fast players getting money still technically not for playing at universities but it's certainly starting to look a lot more like that John Uh, let's start just with what's happened up to this point because it's been a lot and as I mentioned very quickly things are starting to get very very big I mean is this even what you imagined when it was announced that this was going to be starting to happen no, <laughs> no way. Uh, I remember we were at the Elite 11 uh, last year on July 1st when players could begin profiting off of, of their name, image, and likeness. And we were talking to Quinn Ewers, ironically enough, at the time. And we're like, hey, Quinn, like, you know, we're, we're starting to see some small deals coming in for some of these guys. What would you like to, to, to link up with? And he was like, Wrangler jeans. And he just, it was really funny and kind of typical. Uh, and he was talking about, he was like, yeah, I haven't heard any dollar amounts or anything like that. You know, it, it's something that we'll, we'll see later. And of course, right after that, he reclassifies and ends up at Ohio State. And it becomes one of, we think, one of the, the sports first uh, millionaires uh, based on that uh, reported kombucha deal. So it, even then I was like, wait, he was just talking about like some fun brands that he already, you know, buys into that would be fun to sponsor him. And now he's a millionaire. Like, what happened here? So that was kind of the first taste of my interest in NIL. Obviously, we've seen the, the whole spectrum change since that point to the point where now a million dollars is like it's being thrown out every week, right? Oh, yeah, this guy's a millionaire now because he's at this school, you know. And when you factor that into the portal, which has certainly become a, an element of re-recruiting all over again, uh, it, it starts to, to really uh, become crazy to think about. Uh, but, but I would be lying. Nate, if I said, hey, yeah, I knew that uh, these guys were going to be moving around millions of dollars as teenagers. I mean, there's no way uh, I would have thought that even at the highest levels, because, you know, when NIL was, was you know, broached, I was like, okay, I, I was imagining Tim Tebow and Johnny Football and, you know, Terrell Pryor and guys like that. And man, how much, you know, money could these guys have made? And, and you think of it like at the end of a career, like, wow, they were so important that they got this huge check there at the end. But that's what I didn't anticipate. No, these checks are coming before these guys see it down at that school in, in a lot of cases. And, and that's really where I underestimated the true kind of passion and obviously tangent businesses that were involved in and around college football. What's allowed this to happen so fast? This seems like something that, I mean, in college sports, things don't happen like this. It's a very slow and slow and long process. And this is, of course, out of nowhere. Now, the money speeds things up, but it seems to me like nobody's really trying to stop this at all yet. Why is that? 
That's a great question, actually. I don't, I don't have a true answer for it. Why has anybody tried to stop it? I know some, some folks have made some phone calls. NCAA, this I, guess, I should say, not just anyone. They'd be the people. Right, right. I mean, look, I, I do think that something is going to change here. Um, the NCAA has, has a track record of being late and then overcorrecting in a lot of ways. And, and, and I hope for the player's sake, that part of it is, is untrue. Uh, but I do know that their inboxes are getting flooded, particularly with this Jordan Addison story uh, about transferring uh, between Pitt and USC for, you know, I've heard $3 million in one report. Um, I do think there are extreme examples that, that have created uh, some urgency from, from all angles here. And I do think that uh, the NCAA will eventually change something when they do it, how fast, all of that is still TBD. And, and it's, it's crazy to look back at that again, July 1st, 2021 and say, Hey, that was like 10 months ago where we were like, Hey, this is cool. And everybody kind of agreed that it was cool. And, and we had no idea how important and quickly it would, it would rise, but uh, it's really fascinating to look back on. And, and I think the reason that it's gotten so some would say out of hand uh, is because of precedent, you know, recruiting is like law, you know, once a precedent is set. And I think Quinn Ewers is one of those, uh, I guess, pioneers in, in NIL at Ohio State, where now it's like, okay, well, then Nick Saban says, well, Bryce Young's, you know, made a million dollars too. We just, it just wasn't public. And then Texas A&M signs this number one class that many believe has to do with NIL. And then now, you know, this, this Tennessee situation and Pitt and, and Ohio State and USC, now it just becomes this snowball effect of, well, you know, it's a new arms race in college football, which has always been a fabric of, of the sport and recruiting simultaneously. So I think the reason it's, it's risen so quickly is because of precedent and because these coaches, these athletic departments, the fans certainly always have their head on a swivel looking at the, the next big thing. I'm not surprised that the money has gotten to this point. I'm not surprised that it's happening this quickly. I'm a little bit surprised that these people who are doing it are walking that line where it's, it, I mean, Nigel Pack, he's getting paid to go to Miami. Like you said, the deals are getting done before these players step on the court or on the field or anything like that. And that's not, at least if you ask me, the nature of what the NCAA did, right? Or at least what they're trying to do here. Whether you think it's right or wrong or the guy should be getting paid that way is whatever. But it's right now, again, very closely walking that line to just being paid for play. That's my biggest surprise. And I want to know, do you feel like that's something that is going to continue? Because that's, I think, the biggest, biggest thing right now that's at least a question mark in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, I think we're there. I think we're already there. I mean, the, the Jordan Addison is, is the hot topic now. You know, there's reports that say that this deal was in place before he entered the portal. And we're only just figuring out on, on Monday afternoon that he's officially in there in the first place. Yet this story broke, what, on Saturday about this potential transfer and, and the money that could be behind it. So tampering becomes a big question mark. And it, it really is a pay for play that is designed as a business partnership. I think once again, we talk about the NCAA overcorrecting. Well, it was like the, the big scandals financially used to be at the small scale, like you know the tattoo thing at Ohio State, right? Or signing autographs. And, and making a couple hundred bucks, maybe a thousand dollars off of that. Then, it, you know, you got into, okay, well, this guy got a house and a car and that's, that's a little bit of a different situation. And, and now it's, it's in the millions and multi-millions. Uh, so I think the NCAA wanted to allow those autograph signings 
and allow those public appearances, maybe a commercial, something small scale, local, uh, but, but that's not the case. It's become national very quickly. Uh, and that's what happens when businesses realize, hey, uh, this much money and this many people are keeping an eye on all of these things. So what's a way to, to get out there is uh, partner with, with one of these guys uh, who has such a following. Uh, so it, it is really something that, once again, I think the NCAA was, was short-sighted on. And, it, and now they're beginning to, to pay the consequences. Let's transition into the Big Ten here, John. And again, John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting with SI here with us. We saw a guy like an Nigel Pack, who was looking at Big Ten schools, pass on them to go to Miami and go to an ACC school that's, quite frankly, not a blue blood school, not a school that I would normally put in a ranking of being able to compete both with prestige or with NIL money, with what the top Big Ten schools are going to be able to put out, at least in their basketball programs. Is this something that Big Ten fans should be concerned about, the idea that other schools are going to be outbidding them, or at the very least, there's going to be more competitors now for recruits and players? That's a great question. I think that's where the difference between public and private, to me, comes into play, because it was something that was so out there with with that uh, transfer down to Miami. I think it was $800,000 for for a couple of years. It was public because the business owner down in Miami put it out there. And there's nothing saying he can't do that. So I think the in-your-face nature of how some of the Miami folks have handled it uh, have been that has been duplicated elsewhere, not so much in the Big Ten. And I think that's where the perception comes into play because it is important in recruiting both at the high school level and now we're starting to find out at the transfer level as well. That perception and precedent really marry each other uh, to determine just, you know, who's who's putting the most into it in theory. Again, from a perceptional standpoint, doesn't always line up with the facts. Now, again, we talked about Quinn Ewers making a million dollars before he you know, really got to Ohio State and, and certainly before he saw the field. So we know the Big Ten can contend at the highest level, at the highest you know, institution, you know, schools like Ohio State that have such a big public enrollment uh, and obviously all the blue blood prestige that, that anybody could, could talk about. Um, so I don't think that it's an issue for the Big Ten as a whole. I think when you get into certain markets within the Big Ten, there could be, you know, some potential issues because the discrepancy between the cities near big metros, like like Michigan in, in particular, maybe a, a Illinois or Northwestern relative to Purdue, I do think that there is a discrepancy there within the Big Ten in terms of what is possible. Uh, so I think there could be some issues in that regard. But overall, and certainly at the top, I think the Big Ten can compete with anyone. And I think the marketability of that conference has been very strong. I, I think if you ask anyone, you know, you'd get an argument for the Big Ten or the SEC in terms of the best college conference and from top to bottom, maybe in multiple sports. I think those two would come up first, uh, depending on where you ask, and even outside of the, the geographical footprints of those two conferences. So I think that's something that perception is helping uh, in regards to the Big Ten. And then you go to the tangible. I happen to Google the, the top 10 uh, college football broadcasts from this past year. Five of the top 10 had Big Ten schools playing. Uh, so I do think that the marketability of the Big Ten is very strong and can contend with or even above, in some cases, the SEC itself. Will the Big Ten spend that money? We've seen Ohio State do it before. But when I'm thinking about 
top programs that are going to be into this kind of stuff. I'm looking down south. Uh, I'm looking west coast, but uh, I'm not thinking as much about Big Ten schools, really. And also at the same time, I haven't been seeing as much of it in the news out of Big Ten schools. Right. And I think that's where it goes back to the public versus private deal. I mean, even the Quinn Ewers thing that we were using as kind of a precedent for this conversation, it was it was private for such a long time. And then it just kind of snuck out of there. And then it was like, whoa, a million dollars. Uh, so it's it's not navigated the same way uh, in different parts of the country, just like everything else. Right. I mean, I think Miami wants to be in your face. They want to say, hey, we're players in this thing, too, because like you said, it wasn't viewed that way before. NIL and before the, the, the recent rise of, of, I guess, the recruiting ability uh, around the program. So I think that's a big a kind of contention point uh, between the conferences. You know, the, the schools in particular that have people around them that are willing to, to go public and be more in your face are going to, to profit because you're talking about manipulating teenagers in most cases and folks around them that, that recognize that their money is to be made here. So naturally, the schools that show it the most are going to continue to profit the most off of the kids. But in turn, they're also going to face the most backlash when it comes to all the things that we think are wrong about NIL, pay for play, all of those things. So you got to be willing to put yourself out there to compete perceptionally. And I think that's where you see differences in the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, and some schools in the Pac-12 like USC. Well, you mentioned kind of the downside of it. There's going to be the backlash there, but the, the backlash doesn't lose you football games. And the opposite side is that these players will win you them. Is there any reason for people not to be jumping on this, at least right now, at least for until the NCAA or whoever it is that's going to be put some sort of regulation on this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's that's the point where you get into, like, wh where are you willing to go with this thing? And who do you need to talk to? to kind of get that green light. You know, you wonder in the Miami case, because it makes a lot of sense here, relevancy wise, was there conversations between the business and, and the athletic department in particular? Obviously there has to be from a compliance perspective, but beyond that, right? Is there, was there a vote of confidence coming from that Miami athletic department to say, hey, yeah, tweet it, just, just go out, go public with it. We need it, we'll, we love it. Yes, keep, keep coming, thank you so much. Or on the flip side at other schools that are more conservative in nature, is there more of a, hey, like, let's make it a point to keep this private. Let's make it a point to keep this in-house so our players understand the possibilities, but it's not kind of a circus elsewhere. Um, so I do think there's a bit of a back and forth there. And, and for one reason or another, and, and I would love Notre Dame into this conversation too, you know, there's a lot of money around a lot of these programs. It's just been more carefully calculated in terms of what gets out to the press what players are allowed to say and, and things like that. And, and at Miami recently, we, we see players with their cars. We see the players retweeting the deals themselves and the companies themselves coming out publicly as to where we're not seeing that at, at other places. And the Big Ten is one of those where, where we're just not happening to see it, but, but it is going on. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course it's going on. Uh, let's talk about, as we talked last week about transfer portal and things like that, getting more into the recruiting, actual recruiting side of it. And as I'm looking at things here, I'm thinking about if I'm a high school recruit, I'm thinking if I'm a player after a freshman year right now, I've got myself two opportunities to get myself recruited. I can do it once, get myself whatever deal I need. If I don't like it, I can go get myself even more money somewhere else. I'm interested to see how you've seen this already start to impact the way high school recruits look at their selection process 
and I do want to get a little more into this in a sec about the transfer portal side of it too, because I think that's really interesting how that changes things too. Yeah, the portal certainly, you know, conjoined at the hip uh, with NIL uh, at that level. But yeah, from, from a high school recruit perspective, we are starting to hear more about both cases, the portal and NIL. You know, we, we've heard recruits say, yeah, I'm going to go here for a year <laughs> instead of the proverbial for the next three to four years, I'm going to go to this school. It's like as, as time progresses, that that commitment becomes a, at, a, at a shorter rate, at, at a smaller rate of time. Um, and I think that's part of it because they're aware of the one-time transfer rule. And coaches, honestly, a lot of coaching staffs are, have been honest with recruits about this thing. Hey, I know you committed to school X. We're still here. We still want you. We'd love to have you now. Uh, if you hit the portal, we're going to be right there. We're going to be the first ones in. That's becoming like a small minority uh, recruiting pitch to a degree. It's like trying to prove loyalty through a longer period of time to a recruit, which is something that every recruit still covets. They still want to be wanted. Uh, and I think that that is a new avenue to, to broach that conversation, to breach that conversation. Uh, so it is starting to come up a little bit. It's certainly not coming up with the elite recruits. It's certainly not coming up um, early on in the recruiting process. But as these kids take more visits, experience more things, and honestly see more things, they, I mean, that's where they start to, to buy into that and say, hey, you know, in some states, they could profit now off of NIL. So they are thinking of, okay, well, I can, I can go to, to this state and profit now, uh, or I can transfer to a state that is maybe paying more or a conference that is starting to pay more money. That is starting to come up a little bit more. Finances have always been a part of recruiting, and, and now it's so public and legal that it's becoming a part of the conversation a little bit sooner than, than maybe I expected. You also mentioned last week it was more than 40% of players entering into that transfer portal i mean if i'm thinking it's a player with two three years of eligibility left i didn't get that first round of nil recruiting i mean why not go in and do what, what everybody else is doing right i feel like that has to be contributing to why that number is so high it was what 43 percent of players right now in that portal yeah 43 percent don't have a home uh and i think that's again when you talk about the age group of some of these kids that are making decisions largely by themselves, that's where you start to get into that slippery slope. And it, it has to do with finance. It has to do with timing. It has to do with communication, right? How, how much information do you have before you make the decision? So on the one extreme end, we're seeing allegations of tampering. We're seeing allegations of, hey, this deal was already in place before the kid hit the portal. And on the other side of it, we're seeing other kids looking around like, he got how much to go where? I, I'm as good as him. Look at my stats. Now I'm going to go in the portal without consulting anybody, right? So it's like, what is the balance here to, to where it borders on safety versus tampering and, and some kind of illegality? I mean, it, it, is, it is a fascinating conversation, but I do think in fo with football in particular, that's why there's such a high number of, of kids in there. It, it goes back to the kid, self-awareness, those around you, the company you keep. Are, is it really smart to jump into the transfer portal at a given time? relative to the value that you have uh, truly and not versus what you, the value you think you have. John, we ended the transfer conversation with this last week. I want to go back there again, as far as just big 10 is concerned, really big picture. This NIL stuff is going to help big 10 teams beat other teams. Is it going to hurt things? Is it going to pretty much be that whatever it was going to be was going to be anyways? I'd probably lean towards the latter. I think it, it kind of is what it is. The big 10 has, 
a, a strong foot to stand on uh, in all things that involve athletics, uh, especially again in, in my area expertise in, in football and recruiting. You know, the, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Penn States of the world are going to be okay through all of this. I always wonder wh when you're looking from, from a helicopter view anyway about the lower tier, right? The, the schools that don't perceptionally have uh, the same amount of, of power behind them uh, in their branding and all of that. I mean, those are the schools in every conference, you know, Vanderbilt and the SEC, I'm like, how in the world are they going to do this thing? You know, I look at, at the ACC, like Wake Forest, which is has a, such a small private enrollment. How in the world are they going to compete with Miami in their own uh, conference when it comes to these, these extra circumstances? Uh, and, and you can really go to any conference and, and make that argument for, for the lower rung, at least perceptionally, um, you know, how, how in the world can you compete uh, at a high level? So from a conference perspective, Big Ten's going to be fine. Like you said, uh, it was always going to be fine. It just kind of is what it is. There's going to be some ups, some downs. All things break even. Uh, it'll be okay. But for certain schools, that, that will not be the case. Uh, and I don't know the correct way to, to change that. I, I don't know how it could really be on a level playing field. You know, obviously the conferences, they distribute money evenly in certain ways, uh, and that helps. Uh, but but it's still, you know, relatively speaking, those those schools that are smaller and lesser known and less consistent and less stable or in a smaller town. I mean, they're still getting the short end of the stick. And, and I'm just not sure uh, how that corrects itself. Do you think that difference uh, is something that can be predictable if you look at a school like, it, let's say, Nebraska, for example, Nebraska, mm -hmm. huge football tradition. You know that they have money behind the program. You know, they have supporters but just hasn't been able to get it done as of late. Is this something where like at that kind of a school, you can say and confidently think, okay, this is a school that can really, really benefit from this kind of thing. It, it can, in theory, uh, the resources appear to be there, but this is the other thing. And this goes back to you know, traditional recruiting coverage. There has to be something tangible now on the other side of it. That, that That's where the dollar amount isn't, the end all be all in a lot of these conversations because you still got to win games. Scott Frost still has to win games uh, to, to maintain uh, any type of, of, of stability just in, in the perception department, much less in the athletic department. So I do think that there has to be something on the other side um, because it's like we were talking about Wake Forest. Yeah, they had this great run in 2021 where they did better than I'm assuming even Wake Forest fans would have expected. Uh, but now, do you have the resources? Do you have the fan base to? help to make that part sustainable when you have reached the, the positive end on one side. So I think there is a balance there that where both sides really have to be sort of in unison. Uh, otherwise it doesn't work. Who cares if you can throw all this money uh, at these kids, they still have to go to your school and feel confident that they can win some ball games and, and still move forward. Now it won't be the case for all kids, but for the majority, you still have to have something to offer beyond the dollar amount on the other side. I, I don't think it's that simple. Well, we'll see. It's, I don't think anyone's thinking it's that that simple, but uh, we'll see just how complicated it all gets as time continues to go on. John Garcia Jr. is the Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. He will be back again on the show very, very soon to share some more of his expertise. And as always, thank you, John, for joining us here on the program. Uh, go ahead and remind people where they can see all the stuff you write and get your tweets and stuff like that before we let you go. Yeah, uh, Twitter's just my name, John Garcia underscore JR. And uh, check out our stuff, yeah, for free, si.com slash college. Still doing it for free. Love it. All right. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you soon.
Sounds good. Thank you. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online has everything that you need for all of your sports gambling information and odds, lines, and of course, place for you to actually place the bets too. You can head on over to betonline.net to see everything that we're talking about. Bet Online is a one stop shop. That's what I like about it most. It was before Bet Online going to a whole bunch of different sources to try and figure out exactly where the smartest money was going. But if you just go to betonline.net, you can get all the information in one place and then, of course, place your bet safely too. Again, head on over to Bet Online for all of your sports gambling needs, where the game starts at Bet Online. Back in on Locked On Big Ten, finishing things up here. Some news to get to before we go. And again, thanks again to John Garcia Jr. over at SI for joining us and talking some recruiting in NIL here today. Before we get to the end of the show, though, of course, everything we couldn't get to here in news around the Big Ten. Some news that happened over the weekend, but we need to touch on, of course, Terrence Shannon Jr., a basketball transfer out of Texas Tech, has committed to Illinois. Someone who the Illini hope could maybe fill the hole that Andre Curbelo leaves behind. This guy was a three-year player at Texas Tech who did actually play all three years, started a majority games for all three years, and averaged around 10 points per game all three years. Again, Illinois hoping he can be a big contributor on a team that's going to be losing some talent next season. Elsewhere in hockey news, Adam Nightingale is the new head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. Sparty hires him after four years of him working with the U.S. National Developmental Team. So working with younger kids, looking to, of course, become stars at the national level at some point. But maybe more importantly now for Big Ten hockey, he has a whole lot of connections with a whole lot of young players, young stars, and people connected in that business could it be a recruiting advantage for Michigan State going forward? I'll learn more and, of course, touch back. In tennis news, big things going on in tennis in a national and Big Ten level. First, the Michigan tennis teams, both on the men and women's, women, women's side, both won the NCR Big Ten tournaments over the weekend. Then the Wolverines, as well as Northwestern and Ohio State, both men's and women's tennis teams, all qualified for the NCAA Tournament Tennis Championships. And finally, Rutgers' C. Vivian Stringer, women's basketball coach, has announced her retirement from coaching. A Naismith Hall of Famer, more than 1,000 wins to her name, 28 NCAA Tournament appearances, and four Final Fours. She led Rutgers to the 2007 National Championship game. A huge, huge career, of course, for her. A huge day in Big Ten news for an off-season day as far as major sports are concerned. We'll talk more about anything that happens in the Big Ten, of course, tomorrow on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson.